Hello, and welcome to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. In this weekly podcast, you'll be inspired and equipped through the power of God's Word to live an overcoming life. And now for this week's message. Well, if you were following the news this past week, you saw that Nelson Mandela passed away, and that's big news all around the world. Our prime minister was scheduled to be in Vancouver this week. I noticed that the Vancouver Board of Trade canceled his speaking engagement because he's going to be in South Africa for that. And if you follow the life of Nelson Mandela, most of us are aware of some of his story, at least. We know that he spent about 27 years in prison. And uh, that happened, I'm sure that was a, a time in his life where he was wondering, God, what are you doing with my life at this point? Uh, coming out of prison, you know his story, what he did as president there in South Africa. And going to his, one of his books called The Long Walk to Freedom, he said something that was very interesting that was applicable to the church. He said, in it there he writes, the church was as concerned with this world as the next. And he said a very powerful statement. I saw that virtually all of the achievements of Africans seems to have come about through the missionary work of the church. He saw the power of the missionaries there in Africa. At a church conference in 1994, he said, The good news, born by our risen Messiah, who chose not one race, who chose not one country, who chose not one language, who chose not one tribe, but who chose all humanity. So God chose everybody. Aren't you glad he just didn't say, oh, I'll just pick this people or those with this amount of money or this or that. He, he chose all of us. And that really is the Christmas story. It's a gift that was given to all of us. When Nelson Mandela was in prison for those years, I'm sure he was wondering, God, how does this fit for the rest of my life? Like, really, God, what does this have to do with what I'm supposed to do with my life? There'll be things that happen in your life and in my life, and we're saying, God, this really doesn't fit. Our life is kind of like a puzzle, and at times, we don't understand it. When you've built a puzzle, you say, I got this piece and that piece, but it doesn't come together yet. Later on, you look back and say, oh, now it makes sense, but at that time, that piece really doesn't make sense. This is what happened to Mary. Mary had an interruption in her life. It was inconvenient, but God shows up and speaks to her that she's going to bear the Christ child. And when you look at that story, really from her perspective, it wouldn't have made a lot of sense. And there will be times that God will come into your life, it'll interrupt your life, it'll even seem inconvenient. Um, I, this may surprise you, but God doesn't have to text you ahead of time and say, I'm going to be visiting you next week. Mary didn't get a text and say, I'm going to be showing up and the angel's going to come visit you. Nor does God have to call your assistant and set up an appointment. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to do any of that. God just shows up. God's God. You're not. And so he shows up and he interrupts your life. And, uh, and at times it might be inconvenient. And I think when God showed up into Mary's life, Mary might have been saying, God, are you serious? Like, really, this timing is way off. This makes no sense to me that you'd be doing this. Yet the amazing thing about Mary is that she says, Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. So Mary is this amazing woman of faith. And we want to look a bit at her life today and how it applies to us. Because you too will have your life interrupted. God will just show up all of a sudden and he'll do something in your life. God, where does this fit? What is going on? But if we trust in him with all our heart, lean not to our own understanding, he will direct our steps. God's ways are higher than our ways. And uh, his, his, so we trust his ways over our ways. His thoughts higher than our thoughts. Higher ways and higher thoughts lead you to a higher place. And he interrupts us 
in our lives. So we're going to talk about Mary this morning. Our text is Luke chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 1. It's the Christmas story. Now, there's a danger when we read the Christmas story. Here's the danger. We've heard this a number of times before. And so we can kind of tune out, but God's word is living. It's bread. And if we just say, okay, Lord, I want to listen with fresh ears. You know, in the scriptures, Jesus said 15 times, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. What was he saying? Because you can hear it and not hear it. Did your mom ever say to you, it goes in one ear and out the other ear, and nothing really happens with it? So when we hear the scripture, when we read the scripture in church, we really need to be just listening to the word. Our theme for 2014 was devoted. We're devoted to the Word. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something which we've done occasionally this year, something a little bit different. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word as we honor His Word. So would you stand? I'm going to read Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. Now, remember that highly favored part. We'll get back to that later. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Behold, you'll conceive in your womb, bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I don't know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You can be seated. Great story. We're going to look at that a little bit this morning. It's a story about Mary. It's a story of huge, huge faith. It's a story of somebody whose life was interrupted. And, you know, again, from Mary's perspective, she could have been saying, God, I think your timing is just a little bit off on this. And why would she think it was off? Number one, the angel shows up and says, you're going to conceive a child. Obviously, she could say, well, first of all, timing is off because I'm not married. She was not yet married. If you're filling the blanks, the word is married there. You know, uh, little girls grow up dreaming about getting married. Uh, I grew up with a couple of sisters. I raised three daughters. And I found out that little girls love to have Barbie dolls. And one of the favorite things I like playing with Barbie dolls is a Barbie gets married. And she gets married to Ken. And there's been more than one occasion as a dad and as a brother, I got to play the role of Ken. And I had to be Ken. And the thing, big thing was a wedding day. And then they, and they kiss. And, they was, and then there was a few giggles. And they got married. And so the gr- little girls grow up thinking about getting married married. And little boys, you know, it's a little bit different. I was, you know, give me a truck or give me a bike or give me a a tree to climb, but I'm not thinking about getting married uh, until later on in life. But little girls grow up thinking about that, wedding dresses and so forth. And, you know, if you give a little girl a doll, she instinctively takes a doll, put it in her arms, and she'll rock it and pat it. I was visiting some people this past week from our church and 
And uh, the little granddaughter was there. She's about a year and a half old, carrying a doll. She's carrying that doll, and she's rocking it just naturally, instinctively. Now, if you give that same doll to a little boy, he's not rocking it. It may be a soccer ball. It could be just about anything, but he's not rocking it because instinctively they do something different. And this is Mary. Mary's a teenager, perhaps 15 years of age. And she gets the news that she's going to have a baby, and she's not yet married. I think she's thinking, really, God? Like, man, I was dreaming about my wedding. This is nothing like I was dreaming about. This is way off. And God can interrupt our lives. God, this is really not the way I thought I would be. This is not really what I thought I'd be doing this season in my life. God, are you sure? This is where we want to trust God with all our heart. So that would have maybe surprised her. Um, and then also, also, I think, uh, the fact that as a young couple, they were going to be hit with a tax increase. None of us like to pay more taxes. As a matter of fact, we work hard at paying less taxes. And now she's going to be in a situation engaged to Joseph. They're going to be traveling to Bethlehem. And the whole thing is to do a census. So none of us like census, none of us like taxes. And now she's pregnant. And so, again, the timing just seems to be off. It just seems like, God, this is not the most comfortable thing for me to be doing with my life. And she could have been saying, God, are you kidding? Are you sure? But instead, Mary's attitude is, okay, Lord, be it done to me according to your word. I'm going with you, God. You're smarter than I am. You know my life. And she goes with God on it. And then another thing is that the birth of her child would be in a strange town where she had no family support. Yeah, they would be going to Bethlehem. Occupied territory. 110 kilometers from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It's a bit of a journey. And, uh, you know, we have these nice Christmas cards, and you see Joseph and Mary, and, and Mary's on the donkey, and they're kind of, you know, have the silhouette in the backdrop, and she's going there, and she's just smiling. Yeah, away she goes. I, I don't know. If she, I think she was uncomfortable. And there's not even any proof that there was a donkey. They were poor. They had, their offering was two pigeons. They didn't, they, they didn't have a lot. They may not even have a donkey. We don't know that. But even if they had a donkey, ladies, it would have been an uncomfortable ride, anyhow, from all the way from Nazareth to, to Bethlehem. Uh, Cheryl, uh, my wife, we've had four children, and uh, I, I've come to learn something, you know, that when a lady is pregnant and she's about to give birth, um, yeah, it's a very special time in her life. <laughs> you, you just work extra hard to, to help her, and uh, her, her legs get swollen, and she's uncomfortable, and basically she wants deliverance. She just wants to be, she's, now it's time. Let the baby come. And this is Mary, guys. Mary is traveling over, you know, this is, she's not in a nice car. She's not in an ambulance. She's, she's making a rough journey. And I'm thinking, you know, she could have been having the thought in her head, God, really? One thing me to have this baby, another thing at this time to have this taxes take place, and I've got to go to Bethlehem, and now I have no family support. Uh, you know, a woman, when she gives birth, one of the ladies that she wants to have around is her mom. There's no mom for her there in, in Bethlehem. She doesn't have family support. When baby Jesus is born, it would have been natural to say, hey, mom, can you come help me here? Can you help me, you know, uh, show me how to change the diaper or show me how to feed the baby? I'm sure she knew some of that, but you love your mom to be there just to give you some relief so you can have sleep. And she didn't have that. She didn't have family support. So can you see from Mary's perspective where this seemed like, God, this just seems a little bit off, your timing on this? Now, here's the deal. 
When God does stuff in our life, it doesn't always make sense on our timetable. But from God's perspective, from heaven's perspective, it's right on time. He doesn't have to show you everything when you're going along. He'll just give you a piece of a puzzle, and he'll say, now trust me with this. This is where faith comes in, that we trust him, even though we don't see how it's going to fit. We'll look back later on and say, ah, now I know why you did what you did. But at the time, God doesn't have to show us why he's doing what he's doing. We just need to trust him. And then, of course, the accommodations were less than adequate. Um, they didn't have the privilege of TripAdvisor. You know, when, I don't know, when you go somewhere, I'm always on TripAdvisor, just checking to make sure the accommodations, how many stars, I read all the reviews, and okay, I'll try pick that one. Uh, she, she couldn't book online. She just showed up in town. And uh, Joseph is there. Got to give Joseph credit, too, through all this process. He's a great man of faith. And they get there. Um, I always had a question. I don't know. I guess I'll find out in heaven about this one. But I just wondered, like, where were Joseph's relatives? If he was going there because it was his hometown, registered there where his family was from, I just thought that they might have had some relatives that they could have stayed with. And maybe they did have a house and they stayed in their barn. I'm, I'm not sure. The Bible doesn't give us all the facts. But we do know this much, that they stayed in a stable. And they stayed in a place where there were animals and uh, they laid the baby in a manger. So we know that. And I'm thinking, Mary's like, oh, Lord, this is really stretching it. Are, are you sure this is the best place for the Son of God to be born? I don't know. If, you're gonna, if you were God and you were going to send your son to this earth, I would have thought, you know, have the fireworks, royal palace, you know, lots of, you know, red carpet treatment. But this is the humblest of humblest place and come as a baby. Why would God do that? Well, who's afraid of a baby? God could have scared us big time when he came to earth. God didn't come to scare you. He's not a God of fear. He's a God of love. And he came in such a way that we could understand, that we could receive him. He came as a babe in a manger, humble, so we could accept him. Joseph, Mary there in a stable. Can you smell a stable? It, it, it stinks in a stable. Is it clean? Is there any hand sanitizer on the side? There's no hand sanitizer. It's, it's, it's a rough place to have a baby. She didn't have him, you know, there's no record of anybody helping her. Joseph's not a doctor. And she would have been wrestling, God, is this the right place? Is this the right timing to do this? But God was watching over all of it. He knew it was the right way, the right timing, and his hand was upon it. And we're two times in our life, we're wondering, God, where are you with what's going on? Remember that highly favored thing that I talked about earlier? Remember that point, highly favored? Just a thought. But I'm thinking, Mary, in that stable, when she had to walk all that way, she's thinking, wait a minute, I had an angel visit me. And he, he said that I was highly favored. Where is this high, like, where's the room service when you need it? Like, where, where, is, any of this, where is any of this right now? It, was, it didn't look like she was so highly favored. But God was at work behind the scenes. Instead of complaining, Mary was walking in faith and she believed God's word. Look back at Luke 1 verse 38. Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, exclamation mark. Behold. In other words, God, I'm with you. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me, but I am yours. Let it be to me according to your word. I'm going to take you at your word. It's not a command that she was given. It was an announcement. There's, an, a, there's a difference. She didn't ask for a sign that it was true. 
She could have declined. And you too can decline when God interrupts your life and gives you an opportunity. You can say no. He doesn't override your, your will, your right to choose. Somebody once said, you will maximize your potential when you're willing to give up at any moment all that you are to receive all that you can become. Let me read that again. You will maximize your potential when you're willing to give up at any moment all that you are to receive all that you can become. And basically, she gave up the way she dreamed of being married, the way she dreamed of having children. She gave it up to become all that she could become because God had intersected her life. And he'll do the same with us. If you back up one more verse, 1 verse 37, out of the Amplified, it says this, For with God nothing is ever impossible... And no word, this Amplified adds this, no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. No word from God shall be without power. God's word is powerful and she receives it. She's receiving God's word. She embraces God's word. Now, that's different than Zacharias in the previous chapter. Zacharias, his wife, is also going to be pregnant. They're old, like too old to have kids, old. His wife's bare, never had kids. They've been praying for children. And the angel, the same angel, Gabriel, shows up and says to Zacharias, you're going to have a child. But Zacharias, he has unbelief. Mary had faith. He's got unbelief. And his question is a little bit different. If you go to Luke chapter 1 and verse uh, 18, Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Now, you've got to love verse 19. I think Gabriel has a bit of sense of humor here. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel. It's like, hey, dude, I'm Gabriel, okay? Like, I am the chief angel, and you're wondering, I just came from God. I got the message from heaven. I come to you. I tell you you're going to have a child, and you're wondering if you're going to have a child. I am Gabriel. Listen, I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. Now, verse 20, very interesting. But behold... You will be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place. Why? Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. So basically, Gabriel saying, hey, Zach, I am in the presence of God. God says you're going to have a baby. I came to tell you, you didn't believe. I'm going to zip your lip until the baby comes along. <laughs> Why would he zip his lip? Why would he do this? Judson Cornwell, in his book on this, said, unbelief in the head cannot get into the heart if it doesn't come out of the mouth. Powerful. Unbelief in the head won't get into your heart if it doesn't come out of your mouth. So basically the angel is saying, because you're not believing, I don't want you speaking doubt and unbelief over this. Mary was speaking faith. Zachariah was speaking doubt and unbelief. And so when the baby arrived, he could speak again. Interesting story. You could read that later if you like. Mary had trusted God that one day this puzzle would make sense. Luke 2 verse 19 is there in your notes. Great verse. It says, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. You know, in your life, in my life, there are things that just don't make sense. And you'll wonder, God, what are you doing? What is happening in this season of my life? What were you doing when I lived in this town or in that country? What was, what was it about that I worked for this company at this time? It just doesn't make sense to me. Instead of getting bitter or angry, upset or whatever, you just say, Lord, I will ponder those things in my heart. I know you're working my life. I trust you with my life. Mary pondered those things in her heart. 
I think later on she'd reflect on it and say, okay, this is where this fits and that fits. But at the time, she just pondered them in her heart. That's a really, really wise piece of instruction for us. I was one time traveling from Calgary to Regina, and uh, it was a full flight and really anxious to get home, waiting there in the airport. And then they came on the intercom. They said that uh, the flight had been oversold, and they were wondering if anybody would give up their seat for a $150 voucher. And, uh, and I'm just looking around. Boy, I hope somebody does that because I'm not giving my seat up. And uh, I wanted to get home and see my wife and kids. And, and, uh, and so I'm sitting there, and nobody's going up to make another announcement. And uh, it was Christmas time, and uh, nobody's moving. And I, I'm waiting a little longer, and I'm getting this agitation in my spirit, and I feel the Holy Spirit saying, go give up your seat. And I'm really thinking, no, no, you know, that's gotta, that can't be God, you know, no, because I'm family first, family first, it can't be God. And I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with this decision, and it wasn't leaving me. You know it's God when it doesn't evaporate. It just kind of gets stronger the more you think about it. And I knew it wasn't, you know... My flesh, because my, my flesh didn't want to do that, and I knew it wasn't the devil. So I, by process of elimination, I figured out it was the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so I just said, okay, Lord, if you're really saying this, when I go up there, there will still be a, a seat left and to give up. And so I kind of delayed it a bit just to make sure that that really would happen. And uh, I get up there, and they said, oh, yeah, thank you, Mr. Coop. Thank you for giving up your seat. We'll give you $150 cash for doing this. And I thought, okay, you know, $150 was nice, but I'd much rather be home three or four hours earlier. So the flight takes off, and I'm waiting, get on the flight, and I think, hey, God, what's this for? Like, this is inconvenience me. Uh, this is when God just intersects your life, and you don't know what, it doesn't make sense to you. This wasn't making sense to me. Now, it pales in comparison to Mary, of course, but just as an example. So I'm on the plane, I sit down there, and there's a guy sitting beside me. And I think, oh, you know, he, maybe the Lord wants me to share his love with this guy and strike up a conversation about that. So I start talking to him, where are you going home for Christmas? And, and uh, so how do you celebrate Christmas? And, and he turns to me and says, he was a different ethnic uh, ethnicity than I was. He says, are you trying to witness to me? I go, well, I was just going to share, you know, about God's love with you. He says, well, I'm a Christian. You don't have to do that. I said, oh, okay. Okay, that didn't start off very well. So now I was wondering, what do I do next? And I said, well, tell me about your story. Who, who are you? Where are you from? And he said, well, I grew up in Vancouver. And uh, when I was young, I was sent to uh, daily vacation Bible school. My parents weren't Christian. They were a different faith. And they sent me to daily vacation Bible school. And I, I accepted Christ into my life. I came home and told my family. And I thought they'd be excited. After all, they sent me to the school. I thought they'd be excited. And uh, they weren't excited. They were very upset. And from the time that I accepted the Lord as a young boy, and he was like 12 or so at that time, until I left home, I could eat none of my meals with my family. All my meals were brought up to my bedroom. I never ate with my family. I was shunned from that time on. Anytime I went somewhere in public, my dad would introduce me. This is my son, who I basically disowned because he became a Christian. He said, I lived with that. I said, and and you, you, you kept following Christ as a boy? You had no support? You have no, no, I couldn't go back to church. But he followed the Lord all those years amongst that persecution in his home. I said, that's incredible faith. And I said, so where are you going now? He said, well, I'm studying. Uh, at that time, there was a Bible college in Regina called CBC, and he was studying there. He said, I'm going back there, and uh, I'm finishing up my studies, and I'm going to go into full-time ministry. And uh, at that point... I really felt prompted that I was supposed to give him the money that I just got. 
And the uh, Lord just said, give him one of the bills you got. I said, okay, Lord, I'll give him the 50. You know, no, you give him. <laughs> I know none of you would have thought that, but that was what went through my head. And so I thought, no, okay. I'll, Lord said, no. So I gave him the $100 bill. And uh, I said, I just really feel impressed. Uh, I need to give this my, to you. I, I waited to get on. I told him the story. And he be, just began to cry. I said, I feel prompted to give this so you can take your wife on a date. And he says, you know, in the last time we could afford a date. And it, was, it became a friendship. Now, I was inconvenienced going later. And at the time, it made no sense to me. But that was a situation that didn't take long. It made perfect sense what God was up to. God didn't have to tell me, here's why I want you to take the later flight, Dave. Here's why I want you the $150. He doesn't tell you that. And then later on you realize, oh, now I see what you were doing, God. Mary pondered those things in her heart. And later on, oh, God, now I see. And some of you this morning, you're going through stuff. And you're thinking, God, what in the world are you doing? Why did you ask me to do this? Why hasn't this happened or that happened yet? Trust God. God with all your heart. He is at work behind the scenes, and he's, one day these, the, the pieces of this puzzle will come together. You go, oh, now I see, God, what you were doing. In the light of prophecy, the timing was perfect. Again, from Mary's perspective, it may have been way off, but a prophecy would show that it was right on time. He was to be born of a woman, born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, come from the line of Abraham, be heir to King David's throne, he would be called Emmanuel, spend a season in Egypt. This was all prophecy. It was all prophetic. We could have more on the list. But just to let you know, from heaven's perspective, it was right on time, prophetically. And when God's working in your life, it may not seem like the right time. But from heaven's perspective, it's right on time. And then also in the light of history, the timing was perfect. Yeah. Galatians 4, verse 4, it's there in your notes. It says, but when the right time came... God sent his own son, born of a woman, subject to the law. The right time had come. Now, this, is a, this would be a great study all on its own. But historically, God was right on time. Mary wouldn't have known all this, seen all of it. But it was right on time for Jesus to come. Let me give you a couple of reasons why. One was the dispersion of the Jews. Prior to Jesus being born, the Jews had moved into all these little communities around the world. They'd been dispersed. And so when the Jews moved to these different countries, they took their worship of Jehovah with them. Later on, Paul would visit all these different communities, and naturally it made a way for the good news, the gospel, to be spread into all these communities. When James writes in James chapter 1, he says, To the twelve tribes scattered abroad, greetings. They were scattered all over the place. Now, if it had come at a different time in history, they weren't scattered like that. But at the right time, Jesus shows up, the message comes after the resurrection, and everything is in place for this just to go like wildfire around the world. If you go to Acts chapter 2, when they, on the day of Pentecost, they thought they were drunk when they got filled with the Holy Spirit and said there were people from all corners of the world, from Cyprus, from Africa, from all these different parts. And they would go back into all those areas. The groundwork was laid at the right time for Christ to come. Mary wouldn't have known that, but God is at work in our lives in a far bigger way than we would ever realize. And then number two, it was the right political environment. Julius Caesar had a lot of wars. And then 
25 years or so before Christ comes, he passes away and Augustus Caesar is in place. During that reign, there's relative peace. And at that time, the Romans were building lots of roads, and they made the roads safe, safe to travel. So when they started taking this good news to all these different places, not only were there all these communities in the right places, the roads were safe to travel. That was huge. And then another point was that it was a favorable cultural climate. Here's, this is really important because your Bible, your New Testament, is written in Greek. At that time, everybody was speaking Greek. Alexander the Great did this. Everybody was speaking Greek. They had different languages, but they had a language in common. This had not happened since the Tower of Babel. So now they had the same language. If you had the New Testament written today, you would have Corinthians and Thessalonians written in Greek, but Galatians and Ephesians would have been written in Turkish. Romans would have been written Italian. Hebrews would have been written Hebrew. But today, that day was all written in Greek. And so it was perfect timing for that as well. And then also, it was the right time on a philosophical reason. Because Plato, Aristotle, they had done a great job of asking the questions of life. And in that environment, when the gospel came to Rome, to Greece, to the different places, people were so hungry to hear the answer that came through the gospel of Christ. So when we talk about the timing was right, historically, it was just amazing how God timed this for the Christ child to come. Now, here's Mary playing her little role in all this, and she would have not known all that was going on. We don't know all that's going on in our lives. Only when we get to heaven will we really be able to look back and say, God, look at all that you were doing as I just followed you, obeyed you with my life. Christmas is about God's sovereign timing in our lives. There's a verse, Ecclesiastes 3.1, there's an appointed time for everything, and there's a time for every event under heaven. That, was, that whole Ecclesiastes 3 was made popular by a song called Turn, Turn, Turn by the Birds. Anybody remember that? It's, got a, it's a very famous song, and it's an interesting song because it went to the number one on the Billboard charts, and the author of that, or the person who wrote it, is Solomon, and it's the oldest, he's the oldest author of a number one song, Solomon. He wrote that all those years ago and became a number one hit in the 60s. Uh, the Greeks have two words for time, chronos and kairos. Chronos is chronological, hour, day, year, etc. But kairos is when he interrupts our lives for a moment. And it's an event. You could say, I had a good time, that's kairos. Or what time is it, that's chronos, two different words. And at the appointed time, at the kairos moment, God came and talked to Mary. The Kairos moment, he interrupts our lives, and it's important that we're ready for that. Christopher Columbus was discouraged one day, and he walked by a monastery. He was thirsty, and so he went to get a drink of water. This monk sat down beside him, and uh, he began chatting with him, told him his story, how rough things were. He had this dream of sailing across the ocean. The monk just listened to everything, but what he did not know, that it was a Kairos moment. Because that monk was good friends with Queen Isabella. How did he get his financing? Because the monk told Queen Isabella, Isabella got the financing for Christopher Columbus to go. And the rest is history. So a lot of times we're living in the Kairos moment. We don't realize it till later. We wonder, why did that happen? You know, when I was working in the oil industry, we were doing well site engineering and things were great. Oil industry is feast or famine. Either you make a lot of money or you don't make any money. And it was a season of famine. And our money was starting to run out. And uh, I had to get another job. There was no jobs to be had. And so I looked in the paper. And uh, there was a job 
in sales. Now, I, I didn't have much interest in sales. And uh, I hate to admit it, but I didn't have a lot of respect for salespeople either. But now there was the only job I could get, and so I took this job selling. And I'm thinking, God, what in the world are you doing? That the only job I can get is selling. And uh, I wasn't very good at it. I was, matter of fact, I was, I, I really struggled in my selling. And I would try to get things sold. And, and uh, finally, my, my manager, he gave me a book by Zig Ziglar. And, it, and then a tape series, The Secret of Closing the Sale. And I wore those tapes out. And uh, I, could, I, could, I memorized them. I memorized voice inflection. I, I memorized the lines. Mr. Customer, if I'm reading you right, why settle for the get-by when the good in the long run will cost you less? <laughs> And so I, I worked in all the lines, and I was, and I started to, I started to make money. I started to, after a while, I went to another company, and I worked for this engineering company and sold uh, engineered chemicals to refineries and potash plants and so forth. And it was good. And at the time, I said, God, where does this fit? Like, what does this piece have to do with my life? If you're calling me into ministry, why do I need to have sales? But when we did our building deal, when we did everything else, I always default to the training that I had in there. As a matter of fact, I think every preacher needs to go through a Xerox training course on sales because it's just something about learning the salesman, the skills that go with it. I have a fresh appreciation for it. That piece was huge for where I was to go with my life. But at the time, I thought, God, your timing's off. His timing was right on. And there may be stuff he's doing in your life you don't understand, but you will just be like Mary. Say, God, I am going to trust you, take you at your word. And then lastly, Ecclesiastes 3.11, he made everything appropriate in its time. He has also said eternity in their heart. God's put eternity into our heart. We want to live. That's, you know what? You, you, naturally, we just want to live long. Why? Because he's put eternity into our heart. It's kind of like a computer chip. If I can use computer language, he's put this chip into you that you want to live long. You have eternity on the inside of you. You desire to live long, and you desire to live after you die, and you do live forever. And so he came along, and he made a way for us to have life. The missing component is this life of Christ that we have only through relationship when we accept him to our life. audio podcast. We hope that today's message has inspired you to live a life fully devoted to following Christ. Be sure to check out our website for other ways to watch, listen, or share this message. For more information, go to coastalchurch.org.